reading from the seventh chapter of the prophet Isaiah, beginning with the tenth verse. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as shale or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary mortals, that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look. The young woman is with child, and shall bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will the children come forward? Beginning with the 18th verse. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. As you'll hear again next week, the Gospel according to John uses some different words to describe the birth of Jesus. John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and the Word became flesh and pitched a tent among us. And we have seen His glory. The glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. God has pitched a tent with us. 
in preparation for Christmas morning, I'd like for you to ponder that sentence this week. God has pitched a tent with us. It's a powerful statement. We might ask, is it good news that God comes to live among us? And that may depend on why God has come. For if we fear judgment, it will be bad news. We might have to ask, has God come to condemn us? Or has God come to save us? At Christmas, we celebrate God's coming by celebrating a birth. For to come amongst us in a new way, God must be born as one of us in order to take flesh, to share our human nature, to share our humanity. The Word must be born. And the Word was born, just as we are born. Stanley Hauerwas in his commentary on Matthew writes this, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. We rightly affirm at every Eucharist. But these affirmations should not tempt us to forget that Christ was born. The writer of Hebrews also shares the necessity of this birth when he writes, Since therefore the children share flesh and blood, likewise Jesus Himself shared those same things. To share flesh and blood requires being born. Being born as one of us. It seems to me that if Christ must be born as we are born, then Christ must also be named because we are named. Anybody here ever known anybody didn't have a name? Anybody? I'm on a leash this morning because we got a baptism today, so I can't go as long as I want to. But I just want to make sure everybody here has a name, right? All right, just check it. Names give us our identity at birth. It gives us a way to be claimed by another person. Naming is a first-order human experience in which someone else claims us as belonging to them. One of the most important things we do is look into the face of a newborn child and call it our own by giving that child a name. We do it with puppies and cats too, right? I, refer to, I refuse to say fur babies. Y'all can have that. But we do it with them. And so would it surprise us then to hear that God names? Wouldn't we expect that if God were going to have a son, God would name? Did you know that there's a unique baby name generator on the internet called nameberry.com? Did y'all know that? Any of you young people, if you're stressing in the future to come up with a baby name, you can go to nameberry.com. It'll help you out. I gave it a try. It asked some questions and it gave possible answers to the questions. And here's what it asked me. It said, what's your favorite movie? The only one I liked in that list was Lord of the Rings. And as Samantha and I were talking last night, it's probably top five for me. Then it said, what's your favorite flower? I picked sunflower. It said, favorite food, I picked oysters because the other stuff was nasty. I had tofu on that thing. I'm not eating tofu. Listen, then it said, favorite singer, and I picked Blake Shelton only because I didn't know who the rest of them were. 
It had color in my eyes. My driver's license says hazel. And then it asked me my favorite style of house. It didn't have craftsman style, so I picked modern. Because I like modern architecture. It's a favorite holiday, man. That's Christmas. Because Easter wasn't on the list. But Christmas is high up there too. It's number two, right? And then it said favorite season. That's fall. Spirit animal. It had fish on there, so I was okay. Then it said favorite sport, football. And I picked football. And I think, man, this thing's covering all the bases with me. It's figuring me out. And then it gave me the result. Listen to this name. Hester Isling Nairobi. <laughs> Can you imagine if when we got Leanne at two and a half, if I'd have plugged that thing in there and changed her name to Hester Isling Nairobi? I bet she's glad if she's listening to this. I didn't use name Barry to name her, aren't y'all? That's fabulous, isn't it? Why in the world would someone use that? Well, if you remember you naming your child, you remember it was hard work. Some people don't want the pressure of coming up with a meaningful name. Some want to avoid making somebody else angry because they didn't name their child after Great Aunt Nebuline. That's how my wife got the first name Edith. Sites like that exist because we recognize the difficulty of choosing a name that will adequately convey the meaning that we want the newborn child's life to have. The name becomes symbolic of the hope we have for our children. This is the source of our habit of asking people, what's your name? Why'd your parents pick that name? There was a woman who was pregnant with twins. She was in a horrible accident right before she was to give birth. She wound up in a coma. While she was in the coma, the doctors had to deliver the children. When she came to, her alone surviving relative was with her, her brother, who was not very smart. And having realized that her babies had been born, she looked at her brother and said, how are the kids? And her brother said, oh, they're fine, they're fine, they're fine. And then she discovered that her brother had given the children names. And she became worried because he was not smart. And so she asked, what did you name the little girl? And he said, Denise. And she was suddenly relieved. And she said, that's beautiful. What about the little boy? Is he okay? Oh, yeah, he's fine. Well, what did you name him? He said, the nephew. Which one of those names do you think got changed? Right? Nobody wants to walk around with their kid named a nephew. You want your child's name to mean something. Why would we not expect God to pick a name that would mean something? That would speak to us of what was happening. Writer Ed Robb says, Today names are almost a fashion statement for some folks. But it's not always been that way, especially not for the ancient Hebrews. For them, names held meaning. That's why we read in the Bible of names being changed by God. When God gave someone a new name, it was because a divine purpose was being revealed for that person's life. Names connote identity in the biblical text. 
So a name change signified that God had transformed the person's identity and rerouted the trajectory of that person's life. The name became symbolic of the person's God-ordained mission to be an ambassador, a representative, and a living vessel of God's grace, goodness, love, and hope. Remember, God changed Abram's name to Abraham. Remember that? Told him, you'll be a father of many. He changed Jacob's name. Anybody remember what he changed it to? If you play along with some, go faster. Anybody? Israel. Jacob meant deceiver. And he changed his name to Israel, which means struggles with God, so that the children's own name would be assigned to them, that they would struggle to keep the covenant that God had made with them. God's desire was to call them out of the mundane absurdity of sin and into a greater hope. And so God changed their names so that they would not be called children of the deceiver. We celebrate Christmas because approximately 2,026 years ago, a baby was born to a young Jewish couple in the town of Bethlehem. And that child was given a name of great significance, which was also extremely common. The historian Josephus in his works mentioned having known approximately 20 different people with the name Jesus. One person. I don't know 20 people with the name Steve. That makes the name extremely common. Joseph and Mary didn't get to wonder if they should keep a family tradition and name him after the father. Like John the Baptist was almost named Zechariah. They didn't get to go buy a baby name at the local scribe shop and figure out that David meant beloved or that Sarah means princess. They didn't get to look for something that might suit their fancy or match their ideals or even just their personalities. I mean, listen, if you name your child Moonflower, chances are you're a hippie. A lot of people know our personalities by the names that we choose. But their child's name was given by God. I wonder, church, do you think that is a significant thing? The Gospel according to Luke tells us the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a virgin who was engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. And Gabriel told her, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. But his name, the gay angel said, will be Jesus. Likewise, the Gospel according to Matthew says, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you or to name him Jesus. Joseph and Mary were both instructed to name the child, even though it was customary that the woman would give the child the name. And I wonder if Joseph is instructed to give the name as a way of adopting and acknowledging God's own son as his own in order to make him part of King David's line, for Joseph was of the line of David, to give Jesus claim to the throne of David as promised to Mary. Then Jesus could be called Son of God and Son of David, which is indeed things He was called. 
Remember, Gabriel promised that he would reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there would be no end. But don't you have to wonder why Jesus? Why that name? Why is that name so important? Why was a child who could be described as the Word become flesh given such a common name? The answer is given in the angel's proclamation to Joseph. You're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. God chose the name Jesus to give witness to the reason that God has come among us. Remember a little while ago I told you that whether God's coming among us is good news or bad news depends on whether you believe God has come to judge everyone and hold us by a spider web over the fires of hell or if you believe that God has come to save. If you believe the angel, God comes to save us from our sins. So the Word become flesh was named Jesus. John 3.17 reminds us God did not send the Word in order to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. And the reason the name Jesus is chosen because it speaks to us of the beautiful love and the beautiful mercy behind God's coming. And here, dear ones, is how it does that. Jesus is the English rendering of the Greek word Jesus. You learned that in your newsletter for December. If you didn't get to see the newsletter for December, you can see it on our website. Jesus, that is the form of Jesus's, the Greek form of the Jesus' Hebrew name, which is Yeshua. Yeshua is a shortening of the Hebrew name Yahashua. We know Yahashua in the Old Testament by the English name jo- excuse me, Joshua. So Jesus comes from Yeshua, which comes from Yahashua, which means God is salvation or God saves. Likewise, Jesus has the meaning, the Lord is salvation. The wonder of this name is not its commonality, but what it says, the meaning that it bears. And the meaning that it bears is the Lord is salvation. Joshua led the people across the Jordan River into the promised land after Moses' faith failed. God saved these people through Joshua from a life of futility and death in the wilderness and brought them into the land of the living. A land flowing with milk and honey. A land of hope and promise. A land that would become the center of God's grace. When the angel appeared to Joseph and said, you will call him Jesus... He was creating the reality of one who brings salvation to God's people once again. But in a way and manner that no ordinary human being could ever do. This time, the one who bears the name, the Lord is salvation, is actually the Lord of salvation in the flesh. Who had come to lead God's people out of futility and death into the land of the living. And as Ed Robb goes on to write, he says, The promised land that Jesus came to usher us into is the kingdom of God, which has no end. It is 
eternal. And that's why God sent Jesus to lead us out of the wilderness of sin, sorrow, heartache, and emptiness into the promised land of His eternal presence. We needed more than just a teacher to lead us out of our ignorance. We needed more than just a healer to mend our brokenness. We needed more than just a counselor to reconcile our relationships. We needed more than just a strong prophet to call us out of our addictions to greed and possessions and to cure our love of injustice. So God sent someone to us who was all of those things. A teacher, a healer, a counselor, and a prophet. He is all of those things and more than we could ever dream to hope for. So God gave him the name Jesus. We don't need to be affirmed in our brokenness. We need to be delivered and saved. The true wonder of Christmas is that God has loved us and come among us. And the wonder of this name is that God comes to save us from sin and death and give us life, even eternal life. And the Savior's name, Jesus, is a constant reminder of that reality. So I share with you now, that's why it causes me so much grief to hear Christians use the name Jesus as a substitute for another cuss word. Do you hear that, church? Someone gets angry at us and we scream Jesus Christ as a way of swearing. The name should be blessed on our lips. It reminds us of the purposes of God. When we speak the word Jesus, we speak the meaning that it bears. God saves. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.